Hey everybody, my name is John Mark Day and I am the Director of Leadership and Campus Life at Oklahoma State University. I'm also very happy to be your host for the NASPA Leadership Podcast, which is presented by the Student Leadership Program's Knowledge Community. This episode, we're going to do a deep dig into a stellar leadership program that's specifically for sophomores. It's the Spencer Leadership Conference at Texas A&M University. The MSC Spencer is a conference that seeks to provide a unique opportunity to sophomores to enhance personal leadership skills in the pursuit of lifelong excellence in diverse environments. The Spencer Leadership Conference is overseen by Katie King and Julia Mork, and I'm excited to welcome them to the podcast today. So Katie and Julia, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Katie King is the Assistant Director in the Memorial Student Center at Texas A&M University. In this role, she oversees the Department Marketing Team and advises a freshman leadership organization and a sophomore leadership conference that we're going to talk about today. She has over 15 years of experience in leadership education, risk management, service learning, and student development. She's a founding member of the Student Leader Learning Outcomes Project at Texas A&M and uh, contributed to the book Learning is Not a Sprint, which I have actually read and is a guide designed to help student advisors and supervisors establish a framework for documenting student learning in the co-curricular. It is an awesome, super helpful book. In her spare time, she's a wannabe writer, obsessive journaler, habitual oversharer, dedicated Aggie, and PTO president. She's been married to her favorite UPS man for 13 years, and they have three amazing kids. Uh, Katie, thanks for being here, and welcome. Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. And, and how Julia Moore. everyone. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, go go Aggies. Yes. Um, Julia Mork serves as a graduate assistant in the Memorial Student Center at Texas A&M University. In her two years at the department, she has worked with five student committees assisting in program development, leadership growth, and international programs. She currently serves as the co-advisor to the Spencer Leadership Conference, a sophomore leadership conference focusing on three pillars that support career development and leadership of sophomore students. Now, prior to her time at Texas A&M, uh, Julia was a chapter consultant for Phi Mu Fraternity. She's got experience with conduct, new student orientation, and fraternity and sorority life. She graduated in May 2019 and is currently seeking employment in leadership programs, fraternity and sorority life, or campus programs. So welcome, Julia. Thank you for having us. Absolutely, and, and I'm sure there are uh, lots of people out there who are excited to start looking at your resume, so we'll, we'll, we'll let them know how to do that later on. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So uh, let's just get started. For, for both of you, let us know, how did you start doing this work in the field of student affairs? I will try to keep it as brief as possible. Um, I know that we all have our quote-unquote student affairs story. Um, my big aha moment was actually um, my junior year here at Texas A&M. Um, that was in the fall of that year was actually – um, the bonfire tragedy at Texas A&M, mm. and I was involved in, you know, student organizations, leadership positions, and it was in that moment when I really stopped and gave pause to all of these adults that had been serving as my mentors and leaders, and, you know, when it was our lowest moment and um, filled with sadness, I really was able to look and reflect at all of these people who cared about me as a person. Um, and the impact that they'd had on my life and really recognized, oh, this is what they do. I, I probably should have, you know, recognized that before, but it was um, during that entire, you know, time um, as my career as a student that I really started to think this is how I can give back and this is um, a way that I can fulfill a calling and a passion. You know, I've, and, and I can attribute it, and looking back now, like, 
being involved in high school and all of these mentors that I had, um, but that was really the turning point for me. Yeah, and so my story is a little different. I found out about student affairs after I graduated from undergrad, um, and I was a consultant for my sorority, like you mentioned before, and through that experience, I realized student affairs was a thing, that's something that I could do for the rest of my life, and I love my consulting experience, um, and I really, in my head at the time, I wanted to do that forever. And I found student affairs to be that avenue to not only invest in students, but for me to learn from the students along the way. Um, and I quickly got all my materials together to get to grad school and ended up at one of the best institutions. So it's been a good ride. Very cool. It's, yeah, it's fun hearing how those people's stories have had you know, different experiences and, and, and twists and turns, but we all kind of come from this foundational place of wanting to help students learn and grow and develop, and such a cool opportunity to get to do that. So you mentioned, yeah, being at Texas A&M, uh, known for a lot of things, uh, but including a very, very uh, long-standing history of some rich traditions. Uh, some uh, really big and really well-known, and, and, and some you know, very unique to that campus. But tell me about your favorite traditions at A&M. Yeah, so there's so many traditions to choose from. Um, I'm going to go with relatively basic, I think, tradition is Aggie football. I went to a small private institution for undergrads, so I was really excited to be at a large public, diversify my higher education experience, and really just enjoy football in the SEC and all the tradition that comes with Aggie football, the yells, um, just everything Aggie that happens at a football game. And I really enjoyed that and really feeling part of the community. And even though I was a grad student here for two years, I really felt, and I still do feel like an Aggie. I have the ring to show for it. And that was, I think, a huge part for me in finding community and really feeling a part of the Aggie community. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I think is so important to think about is, is the role of traditions in creating community and creating belonging, right? The fact mm -hmm. that you can go and become a part of this, participate in it, I think helps make you feel like you have that place where you belong and you're part of that community. Absolutely. Um, I think my favorite tradition is a really simple one, and I kind of referenced it earlier, and it's the tradition of howdy. Um, the unofficial greeting um, at Texas A&M, you see people across campus and everybody, you know, you make eye contact, you say howdy, and that's the way we greet pretty much everyone. It's the way we start every presentation. It's the way if you need a room to be quiet, you say howdy really loud and everybody responds with howdy back. And it's such a part of our culture on campus, and it really affects, honestly, our entire community. When I go to my kids' school, the principal says howdy, and all the kids echo howdy. And so, um, and I think just this, the symbolism of just greeting people, it really reflects that we really strive to be a campus that's friendly and welcoming and building community, and it all starts with a greeting. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell me about, you know, obviously you're both really invested in uh, learning and researching and thinking about uh, student affairs and leadership, but what are you reading or watching or listening to that's outside of the traditional leadership canon that's giving you insights into leadership right now? I feel like you're <laughs> going to be really disappointed in my answer. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I try to read a lot. Um, I think a book that really has stuck with me this year, and I don't know that it, it's leadership-centric, but the memoir called Educated 
I'm not sure if you've read that yet, but I have not. Um, it, it is it's incredible. Um, I don't know that I will do it justice with my little synopsis, but it you know it follows the story um, of a, a young woman. She, it's her life story. She grew up in um, a, a survivalist community. Her dad was a survivalist, and it talks about I mean all of her background and how she she was homeschooled and very I mean I, she uses I mean I use the term homeschooled very loosely because she really didn't have an education and it's her journey out of that um, environment to where now she has received her PhD from Harvard Harvard um, and the whole like throughout the whole book it's this really big lesson about what each of our individual educations look like and it doesn't have to be in the traditional sense, but how much her childhood impacted her and how that educated her to this day. And it's, it's just really, it gave me a lot of like introspection to like looking at where my students come from, access to education, do we have the same expectations for all students? How do we provide an atmosphere that um, meets people where they are in terms of leadership, but just on a college campus? So that one was, um, I, I really, I think I might read it again to like dig further into it. Um, so that was something that I've read recently. And then just various podcasts that I think, um, I think that's been a really unique way. And Julia will talk about that a little bit later about how we've integrated podcasts with um, Spencer. Awesome. Yeah, so I think Katie started that really well. Um, I'm actually reading Educated Now too, oh. <laughs> which is funny. Um, but this year we've start implementing NPR's podcast code switch into our discussions with our executive team for the Spencer Leadership Conference. So that's something that both of us listen to and then I also listen to individually to learn more. And I've also been watching Asan Minaj's Patriot Act on Netflix, hmm. which um, I've watched just for fun. I think it, there's a lot to learn from each episode, but I've been thinking a lot lately about my potential next step and how to implement new and innovative ways into leadership. And I think that podcast and a short Netflix series, it's 20, 30 minutes long. They're great opportunities to talk about leadership in a different way, but it's also really informative, like personally. Yep. So those are two just fun things that we're awesome. doing. Well, and that's great, right? When you get to, you know, use something for, for work and, and use it to benefit students, but actually then get to sit down and think about how you're learning from it as well, right? And, and your own lessons that that's bringing you to. That's very cool. Uh, so I want to talk about the Spencer Leadership Conference. And, and, you know, it's this really interesting model that you all have uh, developed and are, are seeing some great success with. So just start us off and, and give us an introduction. What is the Spencer Leadership Conference and, and how does it work? Yeah, so Spencer Leadership Conference is a conference for sophomore students in particular, um, and it is led by 10 staff members, or we call them directors, and they're typically juniors or seniors um, here at A&M, and we take our delegates and our directors to Dallas, Texas, which is about three hours here from College Station for two days in Dallas, and then we have the first day here in College Station, so three days total. The conference is based on three pillars of leadership, um, self-authorship, innovative leadership, and selfless service. Prior to the conference, we have three pre-conference events throughout the fall. Then the conference takes place in February, 
And then after the conference, around March, we have a post-conference event. Um, this year, we use a post-conference event to bring first-year students to, to start marketing and having them become aware of what Spencer is, um, and hopefully have them apply for the following year. Uh, at the pre-conference event, we have one speaker that comes and talks about one pillar of the organization. And then we have small groups break out after that to really dive deep into that discussion a little bit more and what that pillar means to them. And then they go on conference and really dive into leadership from a bunch of different speakers from diverse industries all over Dallas. And it's a really great opportunity for the students. I've heard a lot about it in my first year here as a grad. And then finally the second year I was able to be part of it and really seeing the learning that takes place um, and what the students get out of it was really impactful for me and really has encouraged me to continue doing leadership programming, um, and that's why I'm wanting to continue doing that. Awesome. So we've been talking about sophomores you know, for a long time in higher education, and yet it, it, they still feel like kind of that lost year for us in, in programming. And so why did you make the decision to specifically target sophomores for this leadership program? So when Spencer um, began, it, it's actually named after a donor, and he really wanted us to focus on that sophomore class just for those exact reasons that you're talking about, to really help them start that process of thinking about their careers and career readiness, um, because it's that kind of strange gap year where sometimes our students feel like they don't have a purpose. You know, when you come in as a freshman, your purpose is to transition into becoming an adult, and then you're a sophomore, and you're kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then that junior and senior year, it's internships and job interviews. And so we really love being able to help start the conversation with this um, demographic of student about, about that thing, like what, what do you want to do for a career? What, what area are you lacking in your skills and how can we support that? And, you know, at the end of our conference, we've had several people say, you know, when I started this year, I really wanted to be, you know, interprofession. And after Spencer, I've changed and really now I want to start looking at something else. And um, I just think it goes to show that we really do a, a really good job of trying to represent, like Julia said, all these industries, all these um, different types of employment, different experiences to really start that conversation to help students figure out what it is they want to do next. Absolutely. One of the things that I think is really baked into this program is this, this idea of leadership and, and direction being a, a real partnership between the students and the staff members and, and grad students who are running the program. And that for me, I think it's something that we really are trying to get towards a lot in, in most of our programming, but we usually tend to skew one way or the other where the staff are really the ones running the show or it's very much a student organization with a little bit of staff input. How do you create a program and a partnership that is a true student-staff partnership where, where those folks are working together? How do you create that and how do you build that into your program? I think that can be attributed to just the long history of the MSC. Um, as far as I know, that's how we've just always operated and that we really try to give autonomy and um, empowerment to our student leaders to use this as their platform um, for skill development and career readiness as leaders. So they have budget meetings. They go in, they, they present their program proposals and, and seek 
you know, approval for things, and they're among a body of peers. And then we, as the advisors, um, co-author that process, and they rely on our expertise, and it really is a true partnership where we have give and take and they have give and take. And if um, the advisor really feels strongly about something, then our students are really open to hearing that and vice versa. Um, at the end of the day, we want this to be a much more student-led process than staff-led process. But we are there every step of the way to encourage and engage and help facilitate conversations um, because they don't always have that skill set to provide effective feedback to their peers. You know, I mean, there's juniors leading juniors, and so there, there needs to be um, somebody there that can provide that different perspective, that continuity piece, that historical lens to be able to um, make sure that the organizations stay healthy um, and continue to grow in a positive direction. Um, and we, we, you know, we've looked at lots of research. We look at um, ACUI's role of the college union, we look at Hershey and Blanchard, we look at North Health and all these things that people use in their practice to really have a document that supports why we've chosen to create this model of a student-staff partnership and how we facilitate that um, with meetings. And, um, you know, we have regular meetings with our chairs, so each of our committees have student chairs, and they meet with their advisor weekly. And in our case, it's the advisor, the grad assistant, and the chair, and really trying to help um, navigate what the goals of the committee are and how we as the advisors can support that vision for that student. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's a real skill for the advisors, right, to be able to be that presence in the room and be that resource without taking over and, and without uh, sort of domineering the conversation, allowing students to lead uh, and, and finding that right balance between being the, the resource and being the person who you know, kind of has a, a different level or, of, of skills or experience, but really honoring and, and, and co-authoring that with the students. And so you know, I think it's a great skill uh, that your folks are developing there. Well, and one more thing that makes this a little unique is that all of our student committees are actually department entities. So they are not considered recognized student organizations. So there's a little bit of a heightened responsibility for our committees to succeed than um, other organizations on campus. So that doesn't mean that they're any more important, but there is more of an incentive because of the way that we are set up um, that I think allows that partnership to exist where it wouldn't work within other um, type of structures. Absolutely, yeah. One of the things I know that you all have been really thoughtful about is in, and have been uh, really growing with the Spencer Leadership Conference is the accessibility and, and the ability for students from a wide range of backgrounds and experiences to be able to participate. So how do you do that? How do you uh, go out and make sure that this is a program that's available, accessible, and interesting uh, to a diverse group of students at A&M? Yeah, so that's something that Katie and I really sat down at the very beginning of the year, and that was a big goal of both of us as the advisor for the long-term success of the conference, but also the chair of the organization. So we talked about it between the three of us, and we really worked with other partners on campus to provide scholarships for students. So one program we worked with on campus is Launch, which is one of the honors programs on campus um, to provide scholarships for 10 students within the honors college to be able to go on the conference. 
that was really big for us and diversifying who was able to attend because it is expensive and we're very aware of that and we want to be able to make it more accessible. Um, but again, as the advisors, we know that's a long-term plan that we're working at little by little to improve the accessibility for conference. We also worked with other organizations within our space to specifically market to them, to tell them more about the organization. And then we just pushed our director staff to go beyond who they would maybe typically market Spencer to. Um, and they were really great this year and really improved who they recruited to. And our overall numbers for recruitment went up because they went outside of their little A&M bubble to recruit a different student to the conference. So that was really important. Um, we also made an effort in our weekly by Lucy discussions in bringing that NPR podcast into play. Um, for us, it was really important to start that discussion about diversity and inclusion. And maybe this year there wasn't such a huge change, but we know over time when we start having those conversations with our students that we are going to see an improvement um, in diversity within our director staff, our delegates, and overall the people that are able to attend the conference. So we're making some moves to get in that direction, but we know it takes some time. Yeah, but it's great when you are able to get students who also share that vision and that, that appreciation to join you in doing that work, right? It, it, yeah, I think it creates such a much more uh, collaborative and, and successful atmosphere. So I think that's a great job. Katie, I'm interested, you know, a lot of folks who listen to this podcast are, are leadership educators. And, and for those of us who do the work, uh, we you know, have a lot, of different, a lot of different responsibilities. We wear a lot of different hats. And, and you are working with this massive uh, leadership program. Uh, but I, you know, I only read a small piece of your bio. You've got a lot of responsibility and a lot of things that you are doing there at Texas A&M. So how do you find this balance? How do you balance doing this work with the other priorities that might come into play with your job? I think I um, try really hard to surround myself with people that are smarter than me, that are um, better than me at managing things, and that I know that I can 100% trust hmm. to go out and um, conquer their components of their job that allows me to be able to have um, a significant role in lots of different places. So for, for Spencer, I 100% cannot do it if it wasn't for the amazing graduate assistants that we get every year. And, and my supervisory style in this is that they are the first point of contact for the 10 student leaders that are really running this program. So I meet weekly with Julia and our student chair. Um, but then she meets every other week, so bi-weekly with the remaining staff for their one-on-ones and their personal development and their personal growth because um, as much as this is both our responsibility, this is a great opportunity for her to start really cultivating her advising skills, her skills as a leadership educator, and she's not going to be able to do that um, if I don't support her in that endeavor. And so I just think trust and empowerment is a really big part of how I choose to lead. And um, hopefully that example then trickles down to my students. Um, I think, I mean, I've been here for a really long time, and so I have been able to create cultures within other areas that I advise to where my student leaders don't need as much from me as they did, you know, 15 years ago. And so mm -hmm. I'm really lucky in that I get to work with really healthy organizations um, programmatically, um, leadership-wise, 
financially because we've set a really strong foundation by putting in the work, you know, 15 years ago and then um, just adding to that um, year after year. And I think I'm just really good at color coding schedules. <laughs> <laughs> it's an important skill. Making lists. <laughs> yep, yep. Now I love talking with yeah. leadership I love talking with leadership educators about how they lead because it's our opportunity to put some of this theoretical stuff into practice and, and really learn for ourselves what works yeah. well and, and what can we pass on to our students. Absolutely. Well, Julia, as one of those stellar grad students uh, who, has, who has taken this on, you know, this is a, a, a huge responsibility. And as a grad student, you're, you're also balancing multiple things and not in a full-time position because you're also a student. So what advice would you have to other grad students who are out there working with leadership programming? Yeah, so I've been thinking about this. And a big thing that I – all my friends, my peers, colleagues, I think advocating for yourself is the biggest thing. Um, I've been really fortunate enough to have two really great supervisors during grad school, and I feel totally comfortable telling Katie, hey, I have this big thing coming up, like, can I do this maybe tomorrow, or is this mm -hmm. flexible? Um, but also, I know, hey, this also needs to get done right now, so I'm going to make sure I'm here to get this done on time. Um, but being really open and honest with a supervisor to what I can do what I'm able to do while balancing grad school is really important and really just taking advantage of the opportunity to talk and network with I think the network here at A&M. Um, I've talked to Katie a lot about what she's done to build up the organizations that she works with and that's really been important to me to learning how I want to approach um, leadership programming and advising and talking to other advisors in our space about their approach to advising is huge and something I don't think a lot of people think about. You just keep going about your day, but really taking advantage and having those conversations while you're in that learning mindset is really important to me and something I want to continue to do because if you're not asking questions, then you're not learning. And then if we're not learning, how can we invest in our students? Mm, so absolutely. Always yeah. open to learning. That's good. And that's a skill that's going to serve you well throughout your career, right? I mean, I think Katie would say the same thing, the willingness and an ability to continue learning because I don't think any of us ever get to a point where we have arrived in this field. And there's always new things to, to learn and new things to think about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Never stop. <laughs> Never stop. So then, to that end, this is the question I like to ask everybody when I have them on the podcast because it helps me continue to learn and grow and think about things. For both of you, what is the next question about leadership that you have? What's the next thing that you're thinking about with regards to leadership? So many questions. <laughs> um, I think both of us would agree that access is a big um, topic that we need to be really exploring. I know that on our campus, I co-chair a committee for the division about leadership initiatives. And one of the things that we found is that so many of our opportunities have a cost associated with it. Mm -hmm. um, so how do we figure out <laughs> to grow money, essentially, so that we yeah. don't have to um, – charge students for everything. And that's whether it's just attending a program or being a student volunteer. I know on our campus, a lot of our students are literally paying to lead organizations. And they're mm -hmm. happy to do that. But that would be really great if we could figure out a way that they don't have to. Um, um, I think that whole story um, of self-authorship, one of our speakers on Spencer actually does a really great job of talking about 
um, how your beginning plays a role in how you are able, able to self-author your journey as a leader. And I think it mm. made our students really think about um, and impact them in a way that they, were, they, they literally would not quit asking him questions. He had to get physically on the bus because we were behind and continue <laughs> to answer questions, and we had to kick him off because they were blown away by this simple visual of a map of Dallas from the 30s and how people were taxed on their real estate and how to this day those are the neighborhoods because they were taxed more because of who, where they were from, whether they were white versus Irish versus black versus Italian, and how those neighborhoods that were taxed more, so those, those people had to pay more so they didn't have as much of an opportunity to do things, are still the places in Dallas that have the most, and then insert whatever, you know, um, freeze and reduce lunches and, you know, oh, crime and yeah. et cetera, and how that plays a role and where those kids get to go to school. So I think that's a big topic. And then I think we just actually had a symposium on Friday about Gen Z, and so I think it, that's the topic that we're all looking at right now is how are we preparing for this new generation of leaders, both in um, college, but also as they start to matriculate into our workforce. So. Um, that's been really, I think, fun to see, like, <laughs> what are they going to do? <laughs> yeah. a lot of, well, that's a lot of big, great topics. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Julia? Yeah, Katie really Sorry. hit the nail on the head. <laughs> we spent a lot of time together, so, you know, we're very much in tune with what we're thinking. Um, but definitely just ways to bring, like, innovative leadership practices to campus has been on my mind, especially mm -hmm. as I've been – applying to jobs and interviewing, um, what do I, I want to do with, if I have a leadership series or workshops? Um, and I really loved including NPR's podcast into our discussions with the student leaders I've worked with this year. I really would love to do something with Asan Minaj's um, Netflix special with leadership, something different that um, I think students get excited to talk about. Um, and then, of course, Gen Z. I've talked a lot about Gen Z. I did a whole project on it with class. But really changing up the marketing, I think, when you're working with Gen Z students and how we're going to get them to be involved with leadership practices. Because unless we are marketing to them appropriately and telling them exactly the skills they're going to get from an organization, they're not going to join. Because yep. they want to see exactly how that is going to help them with their job and their future career. So we need to tell them, you are going to join Spencer, and you are going to get X, Y, and Z out of it, and you're going to be a better leader because of this. And that's going to help you get a job because they want people that are strong leaders. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different things that I think are really, really cool and great opportunities that really make me excited to keep working with leadership programs. Um, and that me and Katie have been talking about a lot for what's next and what we can include with Spencer, and hopefully the next grad can continue. Awesome. Yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, yeah, great topics. I'm looking forward to reconnecting with the both of you when you have figured all of those things out. Um, <laughs> so maybe we'll play another conversation in two weeks, which is plenty of time, I'm sure. Perfect. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks to you all. And thanks to everybody for joining us for the NASPA Leadership Podcast presented by the NASPA Student Leadership Program's Knowledge Community. Uh, you can get more information about the Knowledge Community on our various social media outlets. Uh, Facebook, which is facebook.com slash SALead. You can follow us on Twitter at NASPA SLPKC or on Instagram at NASPA underscore SLPKC. And you can connect with me on Twitter. I'm at John Mark Day. Uh, if you want more information about the Spencer Leadership Conference or the great things they have going on at Texas A&M, uh, you can connect with Katie. Her email is k uh, a t y at m s c dot t a m u dot edu. Um, and for job offers and other opportunities, you can connect <laughs> with Julia. Uh, her email address is morkjulia m o r k j u l i a at gmail dot com, and we'll put all of these in the uh, podcast description. If you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, have a question about leadership that you want to talk about uh, or know who we should be talking to, we would love to hear from you. You can send us an email at naspaleaderpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Katie and Julia, this was fantastic, really interesting stuff, great, great work that you all are doing. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having Thank us. It was fun. It was really fun. Let's do it awesome. again. Awesome. <laughs> hey, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I'm, I'm ready for your answers to those deep questions. So <laughs> let me know what we'll have you back. Thank you uh, for being here. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, uh, and we will talk with you again soon.